I've got a, a message this morning that I'm bringing about time. I am, I was asking the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want to talk through me today about? And, you know, what the Lord has said the last couple of times I've had this opportunity, it's like, well, son, what am I talking to you about? And so just that word time kicks into, into my mind, into my heart. Uh, the, the men that I counsel, the, some men that I interact with, we've been talking about this, this thing that we call time. So I'm going to bring that to you this morning. Time, it's a precious thing, right? It's something that God has ordained. It's, uh, he, in fact, he's the, the author of time. As I've gotten older, <laughs> I've thought more and more about time. Right? When I was a kid, I just, how many times do you remember being in the car and going, are we there yet? Dad, are we yet there yet? Mom, how much longer, right? We're, we're, we're so time conscious and many times because it's not going by fast enough. Right, if you're a freshman, you think about four years of college, that's a long time. If you're waiting on your grandkids to come over or waiting for a grandkid to be born, it seems to take forever. Right? There's this, this time, it's fast, it's slow, but it's, it's, it's always there. At 52... I'm mindful that, what do they say, that you're, you're over the hill, right? You're on the down run or down roll of time. It's running out. But wherever we are in time, this is what we do know, that it's a great and precious commodity, if you will. And what is time? Time is the space between our conception and our funeral. And where none of us are guaranteed another day in time, another minute in time, another decade. But yet here it is and it's driving our life. And time, it's, we could say, well, it's, it's more precious than gold. It's more precious than any other, I mean, any possession, that tangible thing that we own or can put our hand to. Right, but yet we trade it for gold, we trade it for possessions, we trade it for experiences, right? Sometimes we misuse it and we prioritize, um, foolishly prioritize things over other things in our wasting of time. I know that I've done that. I've, I think even as I stand here before you this morning, how often or for how long I was chasing money, not realizing that I was really trading poorly trading time for money. For what? And I mean, there's a place for money, but really it's time is the great commodity. I look back at my, my youth and things that I did as a, in my junior high, high school, even college years, and go, man, I spent my time, I sold it so cheaply. I sold my strength of my youth so cheaply. But the reality is it's the greatest commodity under the sun. And when we take time and we take time and we, we partner that with free will, because we all have free will in what we're going to do with our time, man, it's glorious. It can be amazing. It can be wonderful, but it could also be dangerous, right? How many people have, do we know or, and maybe ourselves included, as we look back over our story, we go, man, I wasted so much time. I was just talking to Rod the other day about how much time I've wasted trying to balance books, trying to find the three cents, you know, so that these two numbers on two different sheets would match and go, what a waste of time. Here's just the three cents, right? Um, but I've done that. But time, it's precious. And today we're going to talk about time. We're going to talk about where time started, who the author of time is. And then what he might be wanting us to do with our time. So today I'm going to give you the three P's of time. Yay. Simple and easy. Maybe not so simple. Maybe not so easy. So 
as the sons and daughters of God, and that's who we are, there's some things that God expects of us to do with time. When I say the sons and daughters, I'm referring to those that are, have accepted Christ as their personal savior. That have not just taken him as the gift of Christ, the cross, the resurrection, but also have made him Lord. Do I need to go to a microphone? That have, those that have said, I don't want just, our, and I don't believe in, but not just the fire insurance, if you will, but you're the Lord of my life. My time is in your hands. I submit my will to you. I submit my life, my calendar, my 24 hours a day, my seven days a week, right? And with that time, with that life, come my hands, my feet, my mouth, right? As we were singing this morning, I was, I was thinking about that and going, God, that's what it is. It's my time I give to you, my life I give to you. My waking moments, my sleeping moments, my sleeping time, I give it all to you. What, would you, what do you desire of me in this time that you've given me? That's the question, right? What is it you desire of me? And I'm telling you, he desires things of all of us. None of us set, are sitting here, we're not accidents. None of us from our conception are accidents. No matter what your conception story is, God with great intentionality had you conceived. And you weren't a shock to him. You may have been a surprise to your parent or parents, but you were not a surprise to God. He had intentional purpose and plan for your conception and for every day, every minute of time of our lives. And so the question is, is God, what do you want of that? What do you want to do with this time? My life is yours, right? As our children have grown and they kind of venture past that 18, I go, I've done what I can do. We've done what we can do with what you've entrusted with us, with our children. They're, they're yours. They were always yours. We were just stewarding something that was yours, right? We didn't make babies. God made babies. We just did what married folk do. So as we, we've given them back to the Lord, our, our aim is to at best be wise counselors in our kids' life as they go throughout time, right? That we've done well by them and right by God that they would want to come back and seek our counsel, seek our advice, pray with us and say, Dad, Mom, would you hear from God with me on what I'm to do with this next season of time of my life? In Genesis 1, 1 through 3, God, it says that God created day and night, the first day, the metric that we know as time. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that God, in relationship with humanity, in the Old Testament, the, primarily the way that God talked to man was through prophets. Right? A priest would cleanse himself, make sure he was sinless in his in his his spirit, his soul, before he could even walk in the presence of God. And then he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would come out once a year. I mean, I think about how the access that I have to God today and go, that's crazy. And honestly, I, I, would, I would go this far. The relationship that I have with him is so rich, I can't imagine being a year without him. I mean, I just, I can't wrap my mind around that. And to think that that's, that's the dispensation that the men and women of the Old Testament lived in. I would offer to you, they didn't know anything different, so they didn't know what they were missing, right? Like every single person. <laughs> Bonus there. So we see that God in time, he made covenant with Abraham, right? And told him he was going to make a, 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 a great nation of him. And his offspring would be more than there are grains of sand on the beach or more than there are stars in the sky, and that this covenant that he's going to make with him would go into the end of time. Right? We're not going to get to like 2025 and the Jews are like, okay, the contract's over. God's done with us. Right? They're his chosen people. We who have been grafted in are his chosen people. We see that God in time has used 
in the Old Testament, God, Israel's enemies to discipline them, right? He would put them in submission to their enemies and make them serve their enemies for a time because of their disobedience, right? God used his time. In the New Testament, we read that Jesus had apostles and prophets, right? We had, and before we get into, we know that he had apostles, but right, we also know that John was a prophet, right? We have the book of Revelations, and John's not telling us about things of history. He's telling us about things that are going to come. John was a prophet. So, of what to expect in time, right? Because in the Old Testament, there was this, everyone was ruled by law, where today we're ruled, in this dispensation, we're ruled by grace, so in this dispensation of grace, John was telling us, and Paul was telling us, even Jesus tells us in Matthew, what to expect in this dispensation of grace, how we're to live, what we're to do with time as we await the second coming of Christ, right? Because he came and he fulfilled 350 plus prophecies of the Old Testament. He shows up, he does this amazing work, right? Redeems man, has this incredible ministry for three and a half years and sets the world on fire. And he doesn't say, okay, I'm ascending to heaven now and I want y'all to sit on a log and wait on me to get here, come back. He doesn't, that's not what he said to us, right? I'm gonna offer to you that Solomon, who the scripture says is the wisest man who will have ever walked the earth, the entire book of Ecclesiastes is about time. He just continues to come back to time and time. There's a season for this, there's a season for that. So I'm not going to read all of Ecclesiastes to you today, but I would encourage you, if you want to see what the wisest man in the world ever said about time, that's a good place to go. I am going to bring to your attention a number of scriptures this morning, though. One of them is Psalms 90:12. He says, David says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What's he telling us there? Take inventory. He's not saying just get out your calendar and do. Right? He's saying number your days, take inventory of where you are, of what's going on around you. If you will, get out your calendar and spend time with the Father. Number the days that we may have a heart of wisdom, right? Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. It's not just this, this pattering thing here, but my heart, what motivates me? Get out my calendar and say, what motivates me? What, God, what motivates you? And let's get those things on the calendar. Let's make those the priority, right? And wisdom there is not the wisdom of man. It's the wisdom of God. So it's, God, can I have your heart? Can I walk in your wisdom as I'm engaging time? What, has, what is important? What has value? When I look back over my life, am I going to, is it going to be said well of me, as, it, as David said, that you will be, say, will be said of me, you served my purposes in your generation, right? That's a man who numbered his days. That's our aim, that we would honor God with our time. Psalms 31:15 says, my times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. The key thing there I want to point out is, my time is in your hands. Right, David's saying there, you're the Lord. It's not a Sunday Christianity. It's not a Wednesday in the Word Christianity. It's my times, my waking, my, my, my night, my, my sleep. It's all in your hands. In Proverbs 27, 1, he says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what tomorrow brings. Right, not to promise people are tomorrow's but to be able to submit, right, that God, whatever your will be done, right? This is my plan, but who knows what tomorrow will bring? Not to make these grand promises with our time that our, because our time is not ours, it's submitted to God, right? That's the whole, around time, that's the whole point of lordship, right? It's no longer what do I want to do, it's what he wants me to do. We submit to him. You want to hear what my first P is of time? There's no P in time, by the way, if anyone's struggling. <laughs> Just <laughs> thought it would be important to point that out. 
So I think we, one, we all have an understanding of, uh, we get the picture of time, that it's, it's a precious thing. We measure so much of society, we just take it for granted, but it's, it's so much a part of our lives. We work a 40 hour work week, you're late. Well, what is late? It's a time metric. You want overtime, right? It's, it's this thing that we, we try to balance out, work life, home life, right? Around time. So before God, the first thing that God wants in our, our first P is prayer, it's fellowship. Why did Christ come? Why did God send his son? But to redeem us, right? He didn't redeem us so that one day in the by and by, at Christ's second return, that he could have fellowship with us. It's so that here now today, as the canon daughters lead us in worship, that we can fellowship with him, right? That we can give him back not just what's, quote, owed him, but out of this heart of gratitude, we can give him back this relationship and say, I love you. And that what our worship is, is God, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Right? It's this, I owe you everything. I was hell bound just from born sin nature. We were all born in that. I look at, a bunch of people that have been, if you're not now, we, we all have a sin nature that we wrestle every day. Or should I say we're supposed to wrestle every day. And the gift of Christ, because of the gift of Christ, the gift of the cross, we can win those battles. He's already won that battle for us, right? And so that we can give him this time. And that time that we give him is in prayer. It's in fellowship. It's in song. It's in thought. It's what we meditate on. So he desires that of us. I'm going to offer two different places that we engage God. We engage God with our natural mind, right, in our, in our words. So just as we pray, as we fellowship, as we talk, God, what are your thoughts on this? What do I know I need to do here? Give me wisdom. Give me direction. What would please you today? That's prayer in our natural language, right? And we see this. We, I love this about um, in Matthew 6, 5, 6, and 7. I'm not going to read all the, of even the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus says there, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, he says that three times in these scriptures. And then he gives them direction. He gives us direction on how we should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, right? You're there. You see from this perspective. I submit to you. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name, right? He's acknowledging, he's telling us to acknowledge who God is and in the process of that of who we're not, right? The whole process of lordship is taking me or taking you off the throne of your life and putting Christ at the throne of your life, right? So that's what lordship is. I don't, find, I don't look at me and go, well, now what do I want to do today? Or how do I, quote, feel about this? Or what are my desires? But God, what are your desires here? So that's what we see in Matthew uh, 6, 9 through 13 is the Lord's Prayer. I really encourage you to, to jump in and dig there, dig in there and see what God might have you pray, how you, he would have you engage him and take the proper posture before God on who he is and who we're not. We see that there. We also see that Jesus took some extended time away. Right, and Mark we took some extended time away to, to pray. So we don't pray to Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, right? We're not going to get into the whole trinity of who Christ is and the, and the Holy Spirit is and all of, all of that, but it says that we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. So in Mark 1.35, Jesus says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate or a private place, and there he prayed. There's a whole lot of things there that Jesus did that I can promise you I don't do in, all the time in my prayer. I don't always get up that early. I don't always leave my house. It's a lot of steps there. But I know there are those times that I will come up here and, or I'll get in the car. Or again, while I'm driving down the road, I'm praying. But there's a, the point is, is that there's this intentionality in this. Is that Jesus set some time apart from his disciples from those that he was pouring into 
and he filled up with his relationship with God, right? And I think it's out of that place that we see so many of, of Jesus' writings and the, the, so many of the miracles that he did. Was, it was from that place of fellowship with the Father, that intimate place that he had with him, and that we need that. That's what we were redeemed into, right? This relationship with God is not a piece of pie, and if I get a bigger piece, then Chris gets a smaller piece. No, it's that by the Holy Spirit, he can fellowship with all of us, right? And not just with Americans or Oklahomians or Texans, right? Okies, thank you. So, but all over, right? And in every time zone, right? While we're sleeping, it's like, oh, thank goodness the sun's gone down. Those Americans are sleeping. I can talk to the other side of the globe. But no, we're called to set some time apart and spend time with him. And he invites us into that. We see in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, he were commanded, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I don't know about you guys, and it's hard to rejoice in every situation. I can offer to you it's hard to pray in, in every circumstance or even to give thanks in all circumstances. There's some frustrating circumstances that we can find ourselves in. But when I don't see me separate from the Lord and I see that he's always with me, I can, it's easier to thank him there and also to seek counsel, wisdom, and guidance there, right? Rather than going, hey, God, you take a step back here. I'll take care of this. I'll ask for forgiveness later. Or we can talk about how I did or didn't do that well later. Rather than seeing that he is ever present, he is always with me. And he's going to lead me through these challenges, through the trials, the circumstances, right? It's a nice way to say hurdles, challenges, difficult situations. And then to rejoice. You know what, guys? Even as we worship this morning, there's this gift. If, we, if you don't have Christ, I don't think you have a lot to rejoice about. You know? Because it's all circumstantial, right? It's like we're, without Christ, we're living on a credit card. And at some point, the bill's going to come due. And we can't afford the interest payment. Forget just the principal, right? We, we can't do that. But in Christ, we can rejoice. We have hope of all our tomorrows. I have a hope of eternity, even while I'm living in relationship with him today. That's what we have. And I would offer to you, when we focus on that and we really take inventory of that we're going to live a much more joy-filled life and we're not commanded to live that if you will it's a byproduct of relationship with him right i've probably asked this question before but you know when you've seen a, a, a couple and they're they're dating and they there's there's all this hope and all this potential and they just kind of get lost in each other's eyes there's this expectation or even newlyweds right they don't know that each other, you know, leave the bathroom messy yet, you know, and one of them snores. They don't know all these frustrating things about each other in the relationship yet. There's just this kind of, oh, lostness, right? That's what we get with the Lord, right? That he invites us to, and we can very easily lose sight of our first love, right? And we, we do marriage counseling. That's what Heather and I do sometimes, not just for us. <laughs> but it's what is that process of marriage counseling? it's bringing us back to our first love it's reminding us right one of the questions i love to ask couples is when y'all married what was your story what drew you together can we go back and focus on those things and find out where the relationship got off the rails it's the same thing with our relationship with the lord when we can when we can go back and go let's go back to my testimony let's go back to where i was when christ when he found me I can fall in love with him all over again. I can get those glassy eyes and only see, wow, you've been so good to me. Your presence is beautiful. Just being with you is enough. Right? And we need to be reminded of that. We need to be invited back into that. But that's on our part of the side of the equation. Right? To, to pursue the Lord that way. 
So that's all in our natural tongue, right? And, and, and as we reference our reference prayer and our reference God. But also, we have the gift of tongues, right, of our prayer language. We are a spirit-filled church here. And that's not the only sign of being a spirit-filled church, but we are a spirit-filled people. Jesus said when, before his ascension, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to go away. It's good that I go away because I can't be with all of you all the time. But my father has a gift for you, the Holy Spirit. And he will guide you. And one of those gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the, one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. In the book of Jude, we have this. Jude 1.20 says, but you, beloved, that's us, the bride of Christ, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. What, do we, what happens when we pray in the Holy Spirit in our one-on-one -on -one time with the Lord is my spirit man is built up and my flesh man is put down. Right? There's this strength that happens in my spirit man to actually fight or to make my flesh man submit. You know, the challenge, I just said this in some environment the other day, the challenge when I go to sleep, I can go to bed and I can, be, I can go do this stuff at Team Teen Challenge or have a day of some really great appointments and I am so, if you will, intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. And I wake up in the morning and I can be, oh. Because when, my, when I slept, my flesh man rejuvenated. And he wakes up in the morning and he's ready for another fight. But guess what? I get up and when I engage God and I spend that time with the Father, my spirit man rises up too and he says, guess what? I'm ready for the fight too. And we battle, right? In 1 Corinthians 14, excuse me, yeah, 1 Corinthians 14, I'm not going to read these 25 verses. But there Paul gives us clear guidelines about when it's appropriate to speak in tongues, what that looks like in church settings, what that looks like in our personal life, when there needs to be interpretation, when there doesn't need to be interpretation, when it's literally just for the edifying of, of this vessel that's me or this vessel that's you, and when there needs to be interpretation. So I would encourage you to, to read 1 Corinthians 14. And, and if you have questions about that, to, you, they may, one, they may be answered there, and if not, that Cornell and myself, uh, what was it, earlier this year we did a, Cornell did a teaching I got to be a part of in Wednesday in the Word about the Holy Spirit and about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we would obviously love to talk to you about that. Romans 8.26 says, like, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Have you ever been in prayer? You've been in this, this place of intimacy with the Lord, and it's like all you can do is groan? Or there's this, we, we'll, I'll vacillate from English to my prayer language and go, God, I don't know what's going on. I just know this, there's this heaviness or there's this, sometimes it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm singing in the spirit and go, wow, this is, it, this is so good to be in this time with you, in this place with you. But what, he, what Paul is referencing here in Romans is that there's a place for the Holy Spirit in our lives, in this, in this place of prayer. So that's the first thing that we're called to give unto the Lord in this dispensation of time, this, this in time, is fellowship with him. That's what we were redeemed for. He didn't redeem us just to work for him. There were a lot of options in that, right? right? He was just calling out nature, right? He says he can make the rocks cry out if that's what he wants, if he just wants robotic or uh, that level of worship, right? But it's in this place of free will that we can say, God, I choose you. I put you on the throne of my life again today, and I submit to you, and I want to give you what pleases you, right? That's what we're called to. That's the gift that we have, and we're called to that. We're invited to that in that fellowship and prayer. My second P is perseverance, we're called to persevere in doing the works of God and to obey the will of God. Right? As we were worshiping this morning, it's like, God, it's my joy to do this. You desire worship, and you've put in me this desire to worship. You know what I didn't want to do? I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. 
I had to persevere there, right? We haven't had this time change yet. It's still dark outside. I don't normally sleep to 7 or 7.30, but it's dark outside. And I have to lean up and look at the edge of the bed and see the time and go, oh, it's already 7? But I persevered, right? I got up and I said, hey, there's an entire church counting on me this morning. Maybe I should get up. I just can't call into Cornell this morning. He's in Dallas. <laughs> so, but we're called to persevere. We're called to persevere in this relationship with him, right? To even in the hard times, even in the, those bro seemingly broken places, that I'm going to stand. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to persevere in relationship with you. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ouch. We live in a world right now, guys, where there is so much technology, there is so much pleasure, there is so much that we can just zone out and disappear from the cares of this world. Just literally a thumb swipe away. We can lose hours or days. There is so much pleasure in this world, right? From disappearing to movies to inappropriate relationships, there are apps that are just hookup apps, right? Of go get free dopamine. Go connect. No consequences, supposedly. But we're called to something different. We're called to persevere and to stay focused, right? to shield out the desires of the flesh, that my own flesh that wars against those things, right? To go, man, this whole relationship thing is difficult. Over here, I can be whoever I want to be, whoever my flesh desires with no commitment. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Wow. That's a big swing of the bat there. We need to search our hearts. Man, God, am I persevering here or am I giving way to the desires of my flesh? Is the pride of life, is there flesh? Where is my flesh? Where am I fighting it? What is it desiring? How can I put that down? How can I persevere? How can I submit and be, give you what you desire? He says, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Guys, that we need to be able to focus on the forever, not just in the moment, right? The moment says you can have it all, right? Swipe the credit card. Pay for it later. Maybe I'll hit dirt before the bill comes in. Maybe Jesus will come back before my credit card statement. It's crazy thinking, but we can think like that. What's the little, uh, I'll happily pay you tomorrow for, or Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. And we don't just do that with cheeseburgers and credit cards, right? We do this with our life. I can't tell you how many bad decisions I made with, one day I'll have to tell my wife about that when I get married. Does it matter if it's five or 15? That's the lie I told myself. As if I was sinning just against my future wife as I was sinning against God. And all the consequences and the, the hurt that come with that. Because we have to separate, right? We're called to be a, a different people, a unique people. We're called to look weird in this community, in this society. To say, man, I'm not doing that. And not just am I not doing that, in the life that I am living, there's hope, there's joy, there's peace. Because I'm living from a place of promise. And I'm going to persevere there. Even though it seems like the righteous are being beat down and, the, and, and sin and wickedness is winning. I'm going to stay focused here. I'm going to give unto my father what he, what he desires. 
I'm going to give unto, the, the blood of Christ will not be wasted on me. But I will give unto him what he desires of me, that I will persevere there. In John 9, 4, Jesus says, we must work the works. Jesus said we, he was talking to his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when we can't work. He's telling us, there's something in time I want you doing. Jesus knew the time that he was living in. And we need to focus in on that and say, man, am I taking that same approach? Am I respectful of time? Am I engaging Christ? Am I living through, through the same metric system that Jesus was living in in his day? Am I honoring time that same way? And this is what Jesus disciplined or discipled into his disciples, right? Is to know the time. In James 1.25, James says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, liberty and preserves, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doings. Guys, there's something for us when we preserve, when we stay, that steadfast man. James, earlier in, in James, I think it's James 4, 1, 4, he talks about preserving being, being perseverance and being steadfast under trial that we do that. Sometimes the trial is just not given into my flesh. Sometimes it's actually just taking ground and it's reaching out and helping someone else stay out of their flesh. Right? I mean, that's, I had a coach say once, the best defense is a good offense. Right? Instead of me sitting here struggling by myself, I pick up the phone or I reach out to a friend and say, let me help you even as I'm struggling. So sometimes that's what we need. But we're called to persevere there. And there's blessing coming. So the aim for us is prayer and then also perseverance to stay this course. And then number three, proclaiming or preaching. We are commanded to preach, teach, proclaim, and witness, right? It's not enough that I have it. I mean, it is enough for me, right? I found the field, I sold everything, and I bought, I found the treasure in the field, but I want to share that. We're called to share that. The gospel, the good news, what am I sharing, right? What am I proclaiming? I'm sharing, I'm proclaiming, I'm witnessing the good news, Right, my testimony speaks of the good news. Those that knew the old me and now know this me go, wow, there's a difference in you. Not just behaviorally, but man, there's, again, hope, joy, peace. There's life in you. There's purpose in you that's not just gratifying your flesh. So we're called to proclaim. Romans 10, 14 says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed, and how will how are they to believe in him who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Because Jesus is the good news. Right? It's a righteous God who has who's going to give us, he's going to judge righteously, right? He is. He is not, even in this dispensation of grace, we have access to, the, to grace. But God has not changed. The Old Testament God has not changed. We're going to be judged. There's a judgment coming. right? But we get to be judged with the blood of Christ on us. And Jesus says, Johnny's with me. Heather's with me. Dell's with me. Chris is with me. Is your name there? And then there are those that their name is not there. And they're going to be judged by this Old Testament expectation because they did not, they rejected the gift of Christ. Guys, it's for us to proclaim that. When I was thinking about this as I was, and I'm not, we're not going to do this, I'm not going to take the time to do this, but we all have, probably have a phone and I've got pictures in my phone of those that I love. And I could open up my phone and I go, I love this one. And they don't know Jesus yet. I love this sibling and they're not serving Jesus yet. I've got these pictures of neighbors or friends that I had in Texas and they're not serving Jesus yet. 
Am I willing to proclaim who Christ is? Am I willing to pray, Father, I can't be in this person's life right now. Geographically, it's, too cha- it's challenging. Would you send someone to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in this person's life? Guys, we all have those people in our life. We have those neighbors. We have those sons and daughters. We have those parents or grandparents, those aunts, those uncles, those brothers and sisters, those coworkers. I would offer you, we have to have them. Right? I, I look across the church here. Right? What? A football stadium full of, of people yesterday. I promise you, they don't all know Jesus. 27,000 students over here, they don't all know Jesus. Do we love them enough? We're neighbors with people in this community. We're in relationship with people in this community. Will we live Christ out loud? Will we we proclaim him? Not just in word, but in deed. That people will see. And I know that, that we are, but I'm asking that could we venture in even further? God, what would you have me do in this proclamation? How can I proclaim? How can I live this out? How can I take this light and, and let it shine all the more. What, what could be done to illuminate the light of Christ in me? What do you want to do with this? I'm going to skip some of these scriptures, guys. Acts 5, 20, 42 says, and every, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Guys, that's our purpose, that we're teaching and preaching, we're living, that Jesus is the Christ. At the end of time, it's not going to matter any of these other things that we did. It's that we preached Christ. Who am I going to say, I'm sorry, whatever I'm doing was more important than that? And that's not a guilt trip. I'm just telling you, can we come back? Can we reflect back on what God wants us to do with the time? And say, can this move back up to the priority? I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23. To the weak I have became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it for the sake of the gospel, the good news, that I might share with them in its blessings. There's a blessing, right, in knowing Jesus. It'd be enough if he just saved us. But man, the relationship that we get with him. He's a good brother to us, right? God's a good father to us. He's not a hard taskmaster of a father. He's generous to us. It says the goodness of God will lead men to repentance. His goodness, not just the goodness of Christ as if that, and that would be enough, but the goodness of the relationship, the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have, that when I hurt, there's comfort. When I need counsel, there's guidance. Those are just two of the things the Holy Spirit brings to us. The Holy Spirit's a gift from God. So in closing, I just have a couple of questions. One, if you don't know Christ, maybe it's time to know him. And it's, Scripture says that heaven celebrates with just one, just even one comes. I would love to introduce you to, to Christ. It's as simple as, in action as a prayer, but it's going to cost you your life because he requires lordship. He takes the hot mess of our life that we've made of it, and he does this great exchange. So if that's you today, I would love to engage you there, one. And two, for those of us who know him, is it time to look over our calendar to take inventory of time and say, 
not out of guilt, not out of a high-pressure cell. I'm going to do something more with my time, but can we go before God and say, God, you grade me. You show me, am I doing what you've called me to do with this time that you've given me? And maybe it's time to commit or recommit our calendar to him. Maybe it's time to recalibrate how we spend our time in the morning or the afternoon or the evening. When we come in from work, maybe it's that we need to recalibrate how we look at work. Can we just say, God, I want to do your will. What pleases you? God, I want to get back into prayer. I want to get back into fellowship with you. God, I want to love what you love. I want to persevere there. I don't want to, to run from you, God. I want to engage even the places that I've been disappointed. I want to persevere with you. I want to do your work. And God, I want to proclaim. I want others to proclaim to those that I love, and I want to proclaim to, to the people that you've given me a sphere of influence over or relationship with. I want to engage them. God, I, I'm not going to live under the fear of man. I'm not going to live under the, uh, I've got it and it's okay. It doesn't matter if my neighbor doesn't or my, my loved ones don't. I do. I want to do that. I want to I live in constant relationship with you in time. And God, what do you want me to do with the remaining time? Right, because we're, there's, we're already in time, and who knows what the word remaining means for any of us. Could mean later this afternoon. Could mean another 10 years. Don't get scared, Dale. <laughs> but God, what do you want me to do with this remaining time? I recommit, I give it to you. I want to do your will. You know, as we saw these videos this morning, there's some practical things that we can do, right? We can offer our services or our abilities to, to partner with someone and cut up vegetables and serve our, our college community. We can buy items to put into a box and, and, and send to across the border or overseas. We've got some great things that are already happening in our own church. We've got a a man here who faithfully gets up, I would imagine, most every morning and tends chickens so that he can bless our church with eggs. He's got more chickens and more eggs than he can eat. It would be so much easier just to maintain two, three, four, five chickens maybe. But he's got a herd of chickens. <laughs> a flock. <laughs> What's that? Fifty chickens. Wow. So I know another couple of, of people here in our own church that they tend a garden that's bigger than they can eat out of, and they, that'll just serve their family, but they, they consistently bring vegetables to our church or my in-laws who bring them to our house, right? And they say, hey, this isn't just, sure, I could, I could work off less, but I love blessing the church. I love blessing those that I'm in relationship with, and they tend the garden, Right? And it's great that they bring it here, but you know, the, the real time investment is not in putting them in a bag or bringing eggs in a carton up here. It's, the, the, it's that time, that daily faithfulness of time to tend that garden, to chase those chickens, to, to do those things, to want to kill the coyotes who are after them, right? Or the protecting the garden from the deer, right? It's all, it's all these things. It's opening our homes up, Right? It's easy to go over to the Arby's and, and have a Wednesday night dinner and some fellowship and all the preparation that goes in before it and all the preparation that goes in and putting the house back together afterwards. It's that investment of time. But it's time with intentionality, right? I want to bless those that I love, that God loves. It's those places. Time. What are we doing with it? So that's my quest for us this morning. As I, as I bring it to a close, I'm, I'm, we're going to pray. And I'm just going to ask you to, 
in this moment and as you go throughout your day, ask God. Don't even sit here and grade yourself. Right? Don't judge ourselves. Ask God, God, how do you see that I'm doing with time? Is there more fellowship that you want? Is there more prayer? Is there more interaction with me that you desire? Am I cheating you out of time with me, Father? Are there things that I can do to persevere, to, to fulfill your purposes and plans, to, to push into other people's lives where, where Christ needs to be? And can I proclaim? Can I preach? Can my life preach? Can my mouth preach? God, what would you have me do? Ask him. Can we do that? Will we do that? Will we dare approach the throne room of God, our Father, and ask him that question? Ask him for a, an assessment, if you don't like the word grade. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, well, Lord, first of all, I just thank you for time. What a metric. Father, I want to be mindful of time. I know as I talk to Cornell, he wants to be mindful of time. I know as our elders get together that we want to be mindful of time. God, we want to be a church that's in constant fellowship with you. But Father, this church is made up of individuals, Father. It's not a building. It's not a structure. It's a body of believers. So Father, I ask that as we, as we head to lunch, as we go back to our families, we go back to routine, Lord, we just invite you in to interrupt time and fellowship with us. Father, it's our desire to do your will. And Father, where it's not our desire to do your will, I ask that you would give us the unction to pray and to be honest and say, God, I don't want to do this, but I give you permission to change my heart. God, I know you to be a gentleman, and I know every time that I've prayed that prayer, you've been faithful to make the adjustment in where there needed to be adjustment or if there needed to be an adjustment. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to bring your word. I thank you for this opportunity to reflect on your creation the very first day, time. I ask that you would lead us in the way that we should go, Father, that it may be said of each of us upon your return or when we come before you, that you would say, be able to say of us, well done, good and faithful servant, son or daughter, you used time well. Lord, I love you. And Lord, we ask this collectively. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.